From the newsroom of Bridge Detroit and produced by WDET, Detroit's public radio station, this is What Had Happened Was. A look at how America's blackest city blew 70 years of black representation in Congress. I'm your host, Ashley Stevenson. As I saw this district, the design was to make it more reflective of maybe party interests than racial interests. I think we can look back at our history and, and understand that quite often getting people to vote for, uh, in this instance, someone of color, may be more of a challenge than if it was a majority African-American district. Warren Evans is the Wayne County Executive, a former county sheriff and Detroit police chief. He's the highest ranking African-American elected official and someone who grew out of the city's blackest politics, those centered around the shrine of the Black Madonna. Well, when Warren saw what was happening in the 13th congressional race, he weighed the prospect that Detroit's representation in Congress was about to change. He told Bridge Detroit founder Stephen Henderson he had to act. Let's go back to before people were even announcing that they wanted to run. Just give me your impression of of that district, how it was different from what we had before, and and I guess what what was maybe going through your mind as we were getting ready to have, you know, the first campaign for the person who would represent us in that district? I think the first thing was a, a, a continuation of, I think, a problem that goes is that there's no logic to the districts, how it goes up this street and, you know, districts two blocks long here and big up here. But the main thing with this one was, I, you know, the design was to make it more reflective of maybe party interests than racial interests. I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that. But, but there's a difference between the district being, hypothetically, uh, 70% Democrat and 70% African-American Democrat. Sure. You know, and so uh, it makes the dynamic a little different. Uh, and I don't. I think we can look back at our history and 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 understand that quite often, getting people to vote for, uh, in this instance, someone of color, may be more of a challenge than if it was a majority African American district. And so, how you approach the run at it, to me, was very important. And people were coming to me all of the time, as as they do, because I mean, I, I'm a higher ranking African American who's a native Wayne County person in a native city of Detroit, uh, to talk about concerns. And one of the concerns I was hearing all the time was, based on the demographics of the new 13th district, it may be very, very difficult uh, to elect an African-American congressperson if, in fact, we have a plethora of people running. Which makes sense. Right. If you split the vote. Uh, yeah. Um, and so yeah, my concern in listening, listening to that was probably a concern I've had since I worked for, for Coleman Alexander Young as a very young man was sometimes people ought to get together and try to determine a consensus, consensus of who is best for a specific job. You know, if you can get a consensus, great. There's no guarantee that there will be. I mean, if there is no consensus, then, you know, people can go back to pouring cold water on each other as they've been <laughs> doing in elections for the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying there has to be a consensus. I'm saying working toward that consensus 
I think, helps the likelihood uh, that if if the issue you have is to have at least one African-American representative, uh, and this is the district you want to do that in, then having nine African-Americans run for the job probably is not the smartest it's not technique. not the best strategy. <laughs> that's right. It's not the thing that's likely to produce the outcome that you want. So so you you attribute that, though, to, to Mayor Young. I mean, the, the, you feel like that's who you got that from. Back in the day, uh, Mayor Young and some of his staff people, Buddy Battle, Ernie Lofton, uh, the labor people, you know, he came up with that, you know, he had a great relationship with, and they were able to huddle and say from different perspectives, whether it's labor or government, we think this is the horse we ought to ride this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they had enough credibility in the community until they could tell the person with his mouth turned down to the corners because he didn't get picked, your time will come. Right. And we will support you for something else. And there was more of a... Uh, certainly he was a master at leveraging that. Uh, and I haven't seen that since him, nor have I seen a concerted effort to try the consensus. Uh, again, and I, you know, and I, it's not my desire to make this a racial demographic issue, but it is, uh, it is a factor. It is important. And, and regardless of the rest, I still think a consensus view is an important thing to look at. And I did People fight it like the plague because, you know, oh, this is my boy or this is my friend. Or the, I didn't think that had anything to do with elected office, of, with competently doing what you do in elective office. Right. It would be nice if everybody was your friend. But <laughs> what I want first is the most competent person that's there. And, and there's something about what you're talking about that, that gets to – uh, a dynamic that I think is important as well, which is that you got to have enough people who, who who value the same thing outside of themselves. In other words, uh, here the question of of whether African Americans will have somebody who looks like them in Washington has to rise above people's personal ambitions, right? Or at least for the time being, uh, their their personal ambitions. And and I guess. When you were looking at this district and thinking about the people who are running, were you concerned even before the field formed that that we could get people to that space? Get them to the consensus? Or, or the idea that, that it was important it, to, to do something beyond just win for an individual, right? It, it, yeah, it's amazing, Stephen, because everybody that I talked to and even when we tried to put this consensus group together – to a person, conceptually, everybody understood and raised their hand and, yes, this is what we need to do. Now, when you, when the rubber meets the road as to how do we select that person or whatever, now you're starting to see a little more, well, no, you know, it ought to be this, no, it ought to be this, it ought to be that. But everybody philosophically said it's right. I mean, it's, it's not uh, rocket science math. Uh, this is what we ought to try to get to. Um, and, you know, we made a concerted effort at, at trying to do that. But, you know, one of the things there was, okay, then if we pick a consensus person, are the rest of you getting out? And, of course, there were a lot of people, oh, sure, if I'm not picked, I'll be the one. Well, you know, don't get picked and you 
decide, no, I'm and in. You stay. And, and, you know, I mean, people have, have raised funds, have done a bunch of things. I get all of the dynamics of why someone would be reluctant to get out. But uh, do, do you think that, that um, this is an effort that probably should have started before people uh, started forming, you know, committees and, and, and launching campaigns that would this have been easier to do uh, before this all got, got rolling for everybody? It, it might have been a little easier, uh, but not a whole lot because there were still people, you know, formulating plans they didn't say anything about. Uh, and doing things, you know, um, at the grassroots quiet level before they announced. I mean, it, it certainly would have been a little bit easier. And I think that if the concept of of trying to reach consensus is a logical concept, then I think the group ought to meet and expand and continue to work in that direction henceforth. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about uh, what then happens. You, you you know, if you go back to early this year, you, you get a number of people raising their hands saying, I'm going to take a shot at the 13th congressional district. And in the end, we end up with about, well, nine African-Americans who, who want to do it. And, and then Sri Thanadar, who's uh, uh, an immigrant, an Indian immigrant who already represents uh, Detroit in the state legislature. And he's saying he wants to do it. And, you know, look, it becomes pretty evident that that uh, because of the money that he's going to be able to put into his campaign, because of the name recognition he has from the voters that uh, who already uh, he already he already represents that we're going to have a we're going to have a problem if the goal is to to retain an African-American, at least one African-American in Washington representing us. This is not the way to do it. So walk me through the process of you stepping forward to say, okay, we're going to fix this. We're going to we're going to try to clarify the field a little bit. Yeah, I, and I think, um, and we can talk about it later. I'm getting in front of it, but if you look at the final vote totals, mm-hmm. two of those African Americans could have been in the race and still won. Uh, right. Either one of them. Yes. Uh, but no, early early on, the idea was. Okay, this has to be a really open uh, and clear process. We reached out to, you know, stakeholders in the community. Uh, And with no limit, we didn't say, I want this stakeholder, I want this stakeholder. We indicated that we were meeting. We contacted a bunch of people and told those people to contact other people if they, uh, you know, were so inclined. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we met and, and thought about how would we do this, if it's going to be open and clear, um, then we have to do differently than most screenings that I've ever been to or been screened by, which is a group of people who may um, interview me. And two hours later, that panel has changed and there's another panel interviewing somebody Somebody else. There wasn't a consistency. So what we did was uh, determine a panel that we thought was you know, inclusive uh, of the group that was there. Uh, And the same people agreed to do, to interview all of the candidates and all of the candidates were interviewed on video, uh, which they had agreed to before they did. And the idea there was let the public that wasn't in the room there still see which candidates shine, which ones don't. Uh, And, you know, and when that group got together and selected, uh, 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 a candidate, 
that's you know that's what we ran with. But I mean, no preconceived notion on my part. I mean, the gaining consensus is about consensus, which means you all tell me who it is that we're supporting. And and we'll throw in. Yeah. So so you, when you say it was an inclusive process, there's a lot of folks who say they didn't feel like it was all that inclusive. Like they felt like they were they were locked out of it. Uh, there are also a lot of folks who who say um, th- that there wasn't enough respect for women in in the process. That there weren't enough female voices around the table, and that because the two candidates who seemed the, the the most formidable in the race one was an a- african american man one uh was an african american woman uh that that the deck seems stacked i guess uh against the idea of of backing uh, Portia Roberson who was who was that woman how do you, how do you answer that uh, i i mean i think that's that's all wet but i understand you know how people feel about different things the, first of all the process was open and inclusive uh, in terms of people joining it, we didn't have a, an invitation list to say you are on the consensus committee. If you were interested in getting involved in this process, then you'd have been in the committee. There were many women in the committee, and some were in the committee initially. Uh, and and quite frankly, the congresswoman who was resigning was there for the early meetings. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, Brenda Brenda Lawrence. Yes, yeah. So you know, I, I you know if if you you know, I guess someone could make a statistical calculation and say there were more men there than women, and that may be true, but I don't think they had any more influence than anybody, and I know there was no predisposition on my part, at least, uh, to even think about gender. We were looking for an African-American, and I think my—if uh, you just look at my staffs and people around me, anybody would know that— the farthest thing from the truth in terms of me having a predisposition that it ought to be a man instead of a woman. I wonder how much the committee thought about uh, our electoral history here in in Detroit. Um, so, you know, John Conyers gets elected to Congress in 1964. Um, and I th- Think, um, I think after that, uh, there's just one more man who gets elected uh, to Congress. Everybody else uh, who gets elected from the city of Detroit from then until now is a black woman, uh, which, which is a counter narrative really to some of the city's other politics. I mean, we've never had an African-American woman elected mayor, for instance. Um, but but I wonder if that figured into the calculus that that – Voters, for whatever reason, in Detroit, seem to favor women to begin in the Congress. Well, I think the first thing is if you're really looking at it clearly, most of the voters in the African-American community are they're, women. They're women, yeah. Right. Uh, and if men don't come out and vote uh, and women feel a kinship with other women, then so be it. I mean, that's that's more an indictment on uh, African-American men not voting if, you know, if that's part mm-hmm. of the complaint. But I mean, I, uh, and, and many of those elected officials are people that I've supported, you know, and will continue to support them. I and it is, it, it is strange that, um, that the drop off of men voting has gone down so significantly. It has. And, uh, 
and women gone up, but you know, it, I, I just want you to vote. <laughs> right. But but I mean, th- th- didn't it suggest? Doesn't that suggest that that the most successful candidate, the most successful possible candidate, would have been Portia Roberson rather than Adam Oley? I guess I'm I'm wondering how the 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 committee comes to the to the conclusion that Adam was the superior candidate. Yeah, I you know I I don't know, but I do know the committee did, and I knew I know that those were proceedings that I wasn't sitting in. Uh, couldn't speak for a bunch of people, uh, but I think the fact that I think the fact that Adam had been uh, a state senator, uh, and many of those uh, who were politically involved as appointees or elected people had relationships with him uh, in terms of delivering for the constituency. I mean, it's one thing to say you'll do it if you if you know. If given the opportunity, is another mm-hmm. thing to say, and I've done this, and I've done this, and I've done that. Uh, I mean, certainly eminently qualified both people. There's no question about that. But I don't know what the inner workings of the minds of everybody in that group was. Uh, but, you know, it, 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 it is certainly—I I, don't—I didn't see any feeling that there had to be a balance here, that there were so many women that we needed to find a man. I never, I never got that sense— and it, but it is strange in political dynamics. I mean, if you go back, there have been very, very strong women who have made attempts to run for mayor of the city of Detroit. Mm-hmm. And they'd be the top vote-getter on city council. Right. And they, and, they, and, they can't and get over so, that other hurdle. Yeah. But, I mean, w- women are getting elected, but not to certain things. And I, you know, I'm more interested in what that dynamic is. I mean, just in a purely uh, philosophical sense. What's that all about? Yeah. So... so um, why, why, if you were the person who convened this process and all these people, why were you not in the deliberations? Because I think I needed to stay one back as an organizer for the group. I mean, I'm trying to pull the group together. I'm not the guru of the group. I'm not the leader of the group. I'm pulling the group together. And I thought the objectivity People always look and say, well, you know, this is his group. He's trying to drive this agenda. Well, I thought it was important to not have an agenda in there to drive, uh, but let a collective group of people, you know, with some guidance as to what it is we're trying to accomplish to to go ahead and do that. Uh, and, I, and I, you know, I think in hindsight that was right. I mean, not because it, you know, allows me to to minimize criticism. I mean, you know, people can you criticize. You think staying can out criticize. of it was right? Was no, the I, right yeah, decision? I think, yeah, for me, I, th- I think it was because I'm the one that called the group together. I'm the one that started to create the guidelines, all of that. But it was about creating a consensus, not creating my consensus or not following whatever my predisposition, you know, would have been. I mean, we made it extremely clear uh, to everybody that let's pick a solid group to do this, to do the interviews, to do the whole thing, uh, and then let them do their work. And and the internal workings of that of that committee was it just a straight vote majority majority wins? Was it a round of selections? I mean, you had nine candidates. Uh, uh, talk about the mechanics of getting down to one. They were uh, a round of. <laughs> there were a round of uh, of uh, of votes, narrowing down. Uh, you know, a field of candidates, uh, and finally got down to, uh, I think, the two that we've been talking about, if I remember correctly, and 
Um, and out of that, uh, Senator Holy, it was the one that was selected. But um, no, there was no one vote. He wanted to try to get as much of a plurality as we could. And it was an, an opportunity afterwards for everybody to talk out their candidate. What? Okay. What? What is? What is? What is this person missing? What is, you know, what is, you know, and I thought we did a good job of that. I mean, I, I think that when the choice was made, you know, I saw a calm among the panel members, hmm. you know, you know, so I, I think they. The people thought that the process worked to select what they thought would be the best person. I, I think so. Yeah. Okay. So, so. Now we're, we're, we're at a point where there is a, a, a choice. Talk about how you communicate that to the other candidates. Uh, you, you talked before about, uh, about Coleman Young and the way that he used to uh, work with other folks to get this kind of thing done. And that, uh, you know, he would always, you know, he'd always have to be concerned about the people you were saying, hey, look, it's not, it's not your turn now. Um, Walk me through how you have that that conversation. First of all, we don't have a Coleman Young dynamic <laughs> okay, <laughs> anymore. Right. So I nobody mean, does. I, I, I am not in a position to sit there and 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 try to try to do that. What I am and have done is said, okay, you heard what we said before. You see the total. You see the result. You know, can't lose any sleep over the process, mm -hmm. did what the process did. There will be other elections. It doesn't have to just be congressional races. But you see how uh, the idea of trying to work toward a consensus is a good thing. Did it nail it the first time and was everybody on board? This is the city of Detroit. Are you kidding me? And I think every other city is pretty much the same way. I mean, just diverse ideas, views, or people are going to, throw rocks, you know, and hide their hands or people are going to throw rocks and run at you. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and in talking to people that came to me about the race, even before we got in here, I was surprised at the number of people who would come and tell me things like, you know, I was promised the last time that the next time there's an opening. Well, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out I have not met promise yet. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know what that means, you know. Right, uh, who promised? Yeah, who, who promised, who, who could promise uh, and because somebody who you will not identify to me or some bodies uh, made a promise, so that locks me into what? I mean, okay. I, I mean, I'm not here to argue with you. I'm just saying, it, it, you know, at the end of the day, here's a process that I think makes sense. It's not going to exclude anybody from the process. As I said, it's going to be an open and fluid process that will videotape the interviews, um, you can go to YouTube now and go back and look at them. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think folks that go back and look at them will look at them and say they weren't far wrong. I mean, you know, again, there were people close. I'm not suggesting, but so, so you can go and watch all of the the the, the interviews, the yeah. interviews that the committee conducted with the with the candidates. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um. So so back to this question of how you communicate this this result and what do you say to the other eight african-americans who are in the race uh, who were not the selection of the committee well, I, i'm really curious how, how do you even begin that conversation 
in, in did all, you did you do it? No, no. I mean, I and I didn't see a need to do it. There was a, a, a group of people who interviewed candidates uh, and came up with their choice. Not my choice. It's their choice. I don't think any of them needed to go out and explain why they did this or why they did that. I mean, I think the overall kind of overarching issue is if you still believe in the theory, then... The theory that the, theory the that community is better off with... A consensus candidate if yeah, we can do it. Right. Uh, and you bring, you know, the desire to do something to the committee going forward and we talk through issues. I mean, I, I, I'm, there's nothing that I wouldn't, uh, you know, uh, be pre- prepared to discuss with anybody if they asked me. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, that's not usually our style. It's not to ask you. It's to throw rocks at you and, or, or, you know, or, or whatever it is. And, you know, obviously if you don't, if you don't, if you're not the one selected, um, you're not going to be happy. So, so were you surprised that, none of the other eight candidates decided to get out as a result of this process? Not at all. Not at all. Because what I I saw so much, and part of it was the motivation to try to pull this together, is they're like cliques of people who are supporting their person. And if their person is confident and qualified, that's fine. But even when they aren't, you know, it's so, I mean, it's kind of a, well, this is my dog or this is, you know, this is who I'm riding with. Well, you know, you're riding with them. Why are you riding with them? Well, that's my man. Or, you know, or the, you know that, that, that sort of thing, which, mm-hmm. I mean, which tells me that that's not a consensus viewpoint. That's a viewpoint that probably is more personal and, you know, may even be a, a something that, you know, would potentially reward that support, yeah, I, you know, it, it 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 did not work the way it was designed to work, uh, but I think it was a, a, a very fair process, and I think it's starting the road toward people conceptually thinking about can we give a consensus a try, and particularly early enough that if it doesn't work, do what you do. Right. Well, so so that was my next question: is you know uh, this election's over and and. Uh, uh, you know, we've got another two years before another congressional election. What's the future of this group? Do you keep this group together? Do you try to uh, do you try to make this pro- apply this process to to other races? Um, do you do you, do you make this part of the sort of political fabric here in Southeast Michigan a, a coordinated way to think about how? to you know speak more more uh, in a more unified way about what the community needs or wants i i think that's i think that's true i think it should not necessarily be limited to this race i think to say pull the committee together really means you open the doors and let's expand the committee and those things that people felt concerns about before let's let's do it i mean it's not a closed shop sort of thing i mean mm-hmm. let's you know and if you know, if people were missed, that would be a, would have been a good part of it, or wanted to be a part of it, whether we thought they would be a good part of it or not. I mean, they, you know, I think that ought to happen, uh, and I think we ought to give it um, a try going forward and continue to try to talk about it until people look around and say, you know, I don't think that consensus is really the way to go. Philosophically, people don't believe that, then there's no reason to try to do it. 
But again, like I said, I had 100% compliance from people saying this is what we ought to do. Uh, far less than 100% in terms of actually doing it. Yeah. So uh, um, uh, that idea of trying to, to, to reach consensus, it also depends, I think, on the relationships that the members of this committee or you have with the people who um, you know who aspire to to, to 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 run for these offices. I mean, one of the things that that uh, you know Coleman Young was always able to do was to say, um, uh, I, "I'm I'm you know I'm going to communicate to this person that I don't need them to run in this race, and I'm going to take care of that person in another way." I'm going to move that person along. Maybe this is somebody I'm um, investing. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Someone I'm investing in, in terms of uh, their political future. Uh, do you feel like enough of that goes on? I mean, do you feel like there was enough respect even uh, for this committee from the candidates who, who were thinking about, hey, this is, this is my life. This is my political future. I, I think the true answer to that is, there was in terms of what they said early on. I mean, I, I'm not a mind reader, but, you know, the right things were were said in terms of, uh, you know, we understand the need for consensus and we need to do this and we need to do that. I think the, it, it's not so much the relationship between um, us that are elected officials or, or others with the potential candidates, and we all have relationships, it's the relationships that the committee needs to have with each other. That's, that's where the problems are, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and to break down some of those, you know, uh, almost tribal kinds of, you know, separate concerns. So you feel like among the committee members, mm-hmm. there was not a, a, a strong enough investment in the outcome here. I think two things. I think that's partially true, although they, I think they did a great job, generally speaking. The other is it should have been bigger. And the committee. The committee. And the committee should have been um, – the, the, the bigger it is, the more just by definition consensus you tend to get. So who would have made it bigger? Like who's, who, who, whose responsibility would you have thought that might have been? Well, if – given more time, and since this was, you know, kind of my brainchild to try to do, it would be me. Uh, but, you know, there wasn't an awful lot of time there either. I mean, we're acting like time was standing still, so, it, you know, that, that wasn't it. But I would love to see an ongoing attempt to uh, work at consensus and get even a bigger group to come in and talk and chip away at differences and particular concerns that one group may not even understand that another one has mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Again, if it works, it works. But it's one of those things, I think you alluded to it earlier, you have to do it early enough before everyone's got a stake in the ground uh, and they're not going to turn around anyway. You know? It's really so, hard when somebody has declared uh, as a candidate, right, maybe raise some money, put an organization together to go to that, that entire infrastructure and say, you know what, we're not doing it. I agree. I agree. Um, yeah. So I, I want to talk about um, the outcome here and how how much it matters. So Shreeth Anadar will be, yeah, yeah, unless something really strange happens between now and election day, 
will be the next congressperson to represent the city of Detroit. He's an Indian-American immigrant. Uh, he already represents part of the city, but he's not African-American. And that means there will not be an African-American representing Detroiters in Congress for the first time in, in 70 years. Uh, let me just get your, your take on that. Well, my take on it is put a period on the end of it and then understand that as an elected official, my job is to work for my constituents, and that requires me to work with all of the congressional delegates. I mean, they're, they're more than the 13th and the 14th in Wayne County, mm -hmm. and I have worked since I've been in office with the elected officials. Whoever they are. Whoever they are, and I'm going to continue to do that. Uh, and so, I, you know, I think that... Uh, that that's really where the rubber meets the road. Uh, what's done is done, uh, and we need to continue to govern. And if he can produce results, uh, it, reality is with Congress. I mean, let's be perfectly it's honest. Not much you can do as a, right. a new I mean, member. You right, maybe you're, bring you're some new member. Home. You, you got you know you have no seniority. You know you're not in a position. Uh, I mean, we had a blessing in terms of seniority when we had. John Conyers and John Dingle and people who had been there for half a century almost mm -hmm. uh, in terms of leverage and those sorts of things. That takes time for people to build up the seniority. So my expectation, you know, for the delivery of uh, a brand new congressperson is not much anyway. But I mean, I'm certainly going to do what I think I need to do uh, to bring home bacon to Wayne County. And I will certainly be talking to uh, Congressman Tanadar and 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 the rest of the delegation, as I always have. Yeah, so, but but I mean, again, as an African American, as a Detroiter, as somebody who's been in politics here f at this moment, where you know this is we're still in the early decades of African Americans even having political power uh, in in Southeast Michigan. The idea that that we won't. Um, that's got to that's got to fall pretty heavy on on your mind. I you know I I I've been look when I was twelve years old I'd ride around the city of Detroit in a sound car you know we had the PA systems on the top of the mm -hmm. car and mm -hmm. trying to get people to vote for black candidates for city council for a no more other campaigns trying to get a representative number of African Americans in the mix. But talk to many people that. Back in back then, I don't, I'm not voting for a black candidate, or I'm certainly not voting for a black candidate whose qualifications aren't clear to me. Uh, and implicit in that is, but non-minority candidates are probably generally qualified anyway, so I don't have to, you know, that sort of thing. So, I mean, we've made a sea change over the last 50 years in terms of, you know, electing minorities two positions. Mm -hmm. And there's always an evolution in politics. Now we have lots of minorities in different positions. At the city and county level, at the, at the top, no, but I mean, except for myself. Uh, but, you know, you, you, we've evolved and there's more evolving that needs to occur. You know, uh, the, the days of the Coleman Young as the man, uh, we're not in that period anymore. We don't have that same nucleus around us. doesn't mean the evolution can't be good going forward, but I don't know how you do that until you start talking about consensus uh, 
and do some team building in that regard. You mentioned riding around as a 12-year-old uh, in, a, in a sound car. I mean, that reminds me of where you come from um, and the, the rich tradition of black politics that, that helps kind of form you as a person. Can you talk just a little about that? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, when you're a kid, you know, I was one of those kids that would always sit on the basement stairs and listen to the activists talking, the early politicians. And if I said I realized then what a rich opportunity it was, I'd be lying. I didn't, but I was always listening. And, you know, so the regular people that, you know, would would be in those discussions would be, you know, my uncle, Albert B. Clegg Jr., uh, Coleman Young, uh, Buddy Battle, Dave Holmes. I mean, you know, uh, black elected officials and activists. And on the other days, it would be the H. Rap Brown and Stokely Carmichael and uh, Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. And, you know, I had a wonderful opportunity to be exposed to those people. And I would be lying if, if I said it didn't color my, my growth and my perspective. It makes I mean, you who it, you yeah, are now. Right. And, uh, uh, and I'm so thankful for the opportunity uh, uh, to have been there and to have, you know, seen that. And, you know, so, you know, many times I sit there and look at what we often call advancements uh, and then you look at the whole circle and say, yeah, we didn't really get that far. I mean, the game's changed a little, but I don't know that it's gained, uh, you know, the perspective it, it needs to for the masses of people who, you know, rely on decisions we make uh, every day. How much does it matter for African-American citizens or residents to have African-American electeds making decisions? I mean, are, are there... Do, do, do you think it makes a tangible policy difference? To Absolutely. Have? Absolutely. And I don't care where you are. If you don't think on the Supreme Court right now that having an African-American woman uh, as brilliant as she is doesn't give a perspective. I mean, you know, I'm a lawyer by trade. I mean, understanding what the law says is not rocket science. Interpreting it in a perspective that is reality is what makes fundamental differences. Uh, and without someone there with that background, you're, you're not going to get a well-rounded decision. And, you know, some of the other folks will be educated by this justice. I mean, <laughs> they, they may not have asked for the lesson, but they're going to get it because they're smart people and they'll sit there and listen to things. And I think it, at some point it changes and skews um, the thought process. So yes, absolutely, uh, it is critically important uh, to have that leadership. And the other side of the coin is kids feel like they can do anything when they see somebody that looks like them doing something. And so just in terms of young people looking around and aspiring to be a, a mayor or a, uh, a justice or a uh, county executive or whatever it is, they believe they can do it once they see you. Mm -hmm. But if they're not seeing you in those places, I, I'm not so sure 
that they really see that as a viable opportunity. And I think it's critically important. Is it important in different ways now than it was, uh, you know, back in 1955 um, when Clarence Diggs becomes the first African-American from Detroit to represent the city in Washington? I went back and looked, in fact. uh, So, first of all, he was the only black member of Congress at that time, which, I mean, he won the first, but there weren't other African-Americans in Congress. And... Emmett Hill had uh, had recently been been killed, and so he kind of walks into, uh, I think, expectation in terms of representation, right? Not just there to vote and discuss, but also to advocate uh, in a national sense. Do you think we have that kind of urgency now? Uh, we don't have that kind of advocacy now in senior roles. I mean, you you know, I always smile when. Cory Booker makes a speech or others there who I think, I think, again, my editorial opinion, have their heads screwed on correctly (laughs) uh, and uh, have uh, good perspectives on things from the perspective of being a person of color in America. Uh, I think that makes an awful lot of difference uh, to have those perspectives. On the next episode of What Had Happened Was, we'll hear from Representative Rashida Tlaib on how she connects with and plans to represent the city's black majority. The What Had Happened Was podcast is produced by Bridge Detroit in conjunction with 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station. The series was created by Stephen Henderson and hosted by Ashley Stevenson. Interviews were conducted by Catherine Kelly, Orlando Bailey, Malachi Barrett, and Stephen Henderson of Bridge Detroit. The executive producer and interview editor for the series is Stephen Henderson. Recorded by Connor Anderson. Audio engineering for the series and music created by Sam Bobian.